Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Raj Patta and I'm a minister in the United Stockport Circuit of the Methodist Church. And I, I should say this is my last episode as a host because we will have a new host coming up. And I'm glad that the host comes as a guest for this session. And as you have seen each week, I'm joined by a distinguished guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And today I'm very pleased to introduce to you Reverend Jenny Mills, who will be, who is the guest for this week, but also will be the host as she takes over to be the host for the episodes to follow. So I welcome Jenny for this episode and wish her all the best as she takes on this role as a host. Because Jenny, I should tell you, it has been quite a learning experience for me to be a host for the last three months, uh, speaking to various people and personalities who have been really passionate about politics and justice. So it has been an enriching experience. And uh, I, I should thank the Joint Public Issues team for giving me this opportunity. So, and I'm sure uh, as it goes on to you to be the host, uh, it will be an enriching experience for you as you will engage in a conversation with several personalities and people who have been really working hard in trying to make a difference in their own localities through their own work. So I'm glad this morning this I have uh, Jenny as my guest. Jenny is a URC minister serving in the role of the Secretary for Education Learning in the United Reformed Church. She served in the local pastorate ministry and also was a primary school teacher. So she brings so many skills uh, to this role. And I'm glad, uh, Jenny, you are here this morning to be our guest. So maybe it will be good for our audience, our listeners, to know a better little more about you, Jenny. So can you uh, tell us who you are and what are your gifts that you bring to this role as you will be the host for this Politics and the uh, Pulpit Lectionary Resources? Raj, thank you very much for the welcome. And uh, it is really good to be here. And um, I, I, uh, I feel, I feel the, the learning side of things is something that uh, I'm completely steeped in. So I really look forward to the learning side of it. And uh, I've been listening back to your, to your sessions to, to, to take note and to learn, uh, learn going forward. Uh, so thank you for the welcome this morning. Um, if, I do, if I do cough a little bit, I'm on the tail end of COVID still testing positive sadly but uh, but definitely better than i was um as you say i i'm currently the secretary for education and learning for the united reformed church and uh, i've been ordained as a minister for um 13 and a half years prior to that i was a primary school teacher um i taught in quite deprived areas in northamptonshire when i was a teacher um, and uh did my training uh, for ministry whilst I was still teaching. So I, I was training at Oxford University and teaching in the uh, Eastern District of Northamptonshire. So it was a real contrast of life right. and experience and, uh, and, and to see uh, to see how my faith was, was addressed both of those settings, which was really at times quite a challenge. Mm. Um, I, uh, I'm somebody who kind of uh, struggled with the whole call to ministry thing. I spent a long time um, thinking God had got it wrong, obviously, 
and uh, running away from the call, uh, I found it hard to accept that God would be calling me just as I was. Uh, I thought God called cleverer, more intellectual, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I've heard this story from many other people too. But I, I, I struggled to, to, to hear the call. Um, God never gave up on me, actually. And it was my husband who in the end just goes, look, if you trust the process, just go through with it. And, uh, and, and, and here we are. Uh, so I was in pastorate in Newport Pagnell and in Wolverton near Milton Keynes. And I served um, with an alternative education provider um, through Milton Keynes Christian Foundation as well. So all of my ministry has been about learning and growing and encouraging people to learn and grow, build community um, and do so in, um, in a vulnerable, authentic, mm. uh, honest and real way. Uh, and so I think I, I hope I bring uh, an openness to conversation uh, an interest, a deep interest in, in people's lives and mm. how we live our faith, how we share our faith, how we include others in, in, in the love of God, how, the, how we can share that in an open and inclusive way. Um, mm. So hopefully those are the sort of uh, gifts that I'm bringing to this role. Well, super, uh, Jenny. Uh, can you also tell us where you currently live and what does your role as Secretary of Education and Learning in the United Reformed Church uh, means? Okay, well, uh, I currently live in Milton Keynes, uh, which is, um, as many people know, it's a new city. I live near um, the Newport Pagnell service station, which more people might know that one as it's off the M1. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I uh, when I was appointed to this post, I was going to be based in uh, in London in Church House um, five days a week. But obviously the world has changed and the working landscape has changed. Mm. So now um, I'm based for three days a week in the office and two days a week at home, um, which, which works really well. And in fact, traveling from Milton Keynes to London, um, I actually can get there quicker than some people who live in London. Uh, right. So it, uh, <laughs> it, works, it works really well. I have um I have family that lives nearby and so it was it was lovely that we were able to stay up here and um my husband retrained uh, only 3 years ago as a special needs primary school teacher so he right. was able to carry on in his post um which was something that was really important to him too mm -hmm. um so a secretary for education and learning wow it, it it's always an interesting one because uh, people ring up and they say oh you're the secretary can I speak to your manager please um, and we we have the designation secretary uh, as opposed to uh, in terms of the, the person responsible for um, and so I'm responsible for um, alongside the rest of the education and learning team for education for um, those going into ministerial training right. coordination uh, for lay lay training uh, overseeing our resource centers for learning which are our colleges where they offer courses for both those who are going to be ordained and for lay people. We work in the United Reformed Church through 13 synods. And so uh, the training officers and the, those responsible for learning in the synods, we liaise with them. Um, we facilitate training and learning opportunities for those newly ordained and for those continuing in ministry. We finance uh, a lot of those things and we provide opportunities and resources. We have um, a particularly exciting um, program called Stepwise. It's a discipleship development program that has been developed over a number of years and has been so adaptive during COVID that most of our uh, people studying uh, Stepwise now do so online. 
and mm. it's where people come together and discover um discover where god is in their discipleship journey and um there are a number of streams that can be followed um thinking about where faith is in our life and then in worship and in the community and um and so different ways of exploring our discipleship journey and helping us to grow so it's quite a varied role i also engage with ecumenical partners and colleagues and right. work with with other departments within the international reform church too mm. oh i mean your plate is full and i can imagine how creative and imaginative your role is and the way the scope in terms of reaching out to people uh, for education and learning so uh, i'm sure but thank you very much for uh, agreeing to be a guest but also will be a host because with all your gifts and with the scope of working i'm sure uh, you will carry on this mantle of being a host and engaging people and trying to see what is the politics that we need to speak out from our pulpit so maybe just, yeah yes and i i think the um i think you could kind of just hit it as well always coming back to what is going on in the in the local church you know mm. how how are the how are we supporting those who are in our local churches who are who are seeking to be Christ's disciples in the world so that sense of um what we're sharing uh, through worship uh is then um is enabling people and and how we're doing that and i think for me i seek to go back and and worship and lead worship quite frequently so that i keep that connection because there is that risk isn't there you have a disconnect otherwise right right so you you are grounded in the grassroots trying to listen to people and speaking and and i'm sure that that is quite helpful in our journey of faith and in our discipleship so so jenny i mean as you have heard this is a politics in the pulpit podcast so i wonder what that means for you i mean do you see yourself as a pulpit politician it's a that's a really good question isn't it and i think um uh i think it's a challenging word straight away isn't it politics because immediately we go down the road of party politics mm-hmm. and uh and and i've had a number of people say to me uh, when i was in ministry um in the ministerial post uh you know politics has no place in the church Uh, and party politics is is a very difficult one because that is uh, very contentious i was in ministry during the whole brexit vote and mm. that was quite divisive mm. um but but politics with a small p can, you cannot get away from it you know, mm. jesus jesus was the ultimate politician uh, throughout the bible we see politics calling out injustices mm. uh, speaking up for those on the edges um highlighting the issues of of those um that the, the the weakest in society and and always trying to challenge us so um i think uh i think i'm i never think of myself as a politician but mm. you're right we can't get away from politics in the pulpit it is it is already there and if we don't name it mm. i think we're not being honest and authentic as as followers of jesus mm-hmm. i mean you have rightly said jenny because politics jesus is jesus's politics are about casting out the demons of injustices and trying to reach out to people on the edges and margins and trying to see what liberation really means in that holistic understanding and if we are following such a kind of jesus christ i think we we cannot but speak about the politics of for our times because our faith compels us to get involved and speak out against the injustices engage with people who are struggling and then strive uh, like jesus in terms of bringing out liberation for our context and in our situation so thank you very much and uh, 
uh, that that really is helpful for us so jenny from your context what would you want us to hear as some key justice issues or political events that you think are important for us i think at the moment in the world that we live in that's just a huge ask isn't it there is just each day we seem to be encountering more um, more issues that 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 sadden, that anger, that frustrate. You know, you, you just look back in the in the last week. Um, we have the um, the the proposals on the the ban for conversion therapy. You know, that whole proclamation U-turn, missing out um, the transgender people. Just that in itself, uh, the continuing nightmare of of some of the the behaviour of those who are in power. Mm. Um, the, the, the war in Ukraine and also the continuing um, conflicts around the world. And I, it, it's, it's almost like each week we're having more and more that we, we really need to be challenged by. Um, and yet you still see glimmers of hope in, in all of those, don't you? Um, I mean, I'm extremely exercised about the, um, the, the cost of living rises as, as everybody is, but then you see, um, and you see people who reach out to each other. I was I was just reading on Twitter the other day. There was somebody who who asked about a food bank, and and by the end of the Twitter conversation, somebody got in touch with her and was filling her cupboards for a week. You know, we're seeing these these most desperate situations, but we're actually also seeing people looking out for each other, and we're seeing hope in them. So it's that balance, isn't it, between not being about being real and authentic that there are some really awful things going on, but equally looking for the best and the helpers and the kindness within it. And I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be an interesting balance to get because it is easy to be overwhelmed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're rightly said, uh, Jenny. Uh, and each week uh, I ask our joint public issues team's colleagues for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we might want to be keeping an eye on in the world this week. And some of their suggestions are, as you also mentioned, uh, they, they have shared about investigations into possible war crimes in Ukraine as the focus of the conflict shifts away from Kyiv towards the south of the country and Odessa, while peace talks continue. The humanitarian toll continues to be massive. And in the UK, the government is facing criticism for the slow pace of visa processing for Ukrainian refugees when many people have offered their homes. Uh, added to this, some of the families that have been brought over have already presented themselves as homeless to their local council as the process of securing safe accommodation fails. And with the end of the legal requirement to self-isolate and end of free COVID testing in England, continued very high levels of infection are prompting anxiety, especially for those who are clinically vulnerable. More people in UK now have COVID than at any point in the pandemic, although with lower hospitalizations and deaths. And the, the first fixed penalty notices have been issued for people who attended illegal gatherings in Downing Street during lockdown, bringing a renewed focus on the prime minister's position. And the 54% fuel cap price rise came into effect on Friday of last week, which will see the typical energy bill increase by about 693 pounds over the next year. So the cost of living crisis is hitting hard with reports that food bank users are turning away items such as potatoes because they cannot afford the energy to cook them. And on the other hand, 
Viktor Orban has won a fourth term as the Prime Minister of Hungary. And within the church lectionary coming up Sunday is Palm Sunday leading up to the Holy Week and the Easter weekend. So there is so much happening all around in terms of uh, the community, the society and the church in which uh, we are placed now. So Jenny, with our metaphorical explanation of now we have opened the newspapers on one hand. Now, if we open our Bibles, I wonder uh, how what would be a particular theme that you would want to bring in, particularly for this Palm Sunday, as our listeners and people who are listening uh, will engage from their pulpits. Okay, thank you for that. And um, there's just so much going on, isn't there? That it's uh, it's um, yeah, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? And um, well, if we if we begin with with the Psalm, uh, Psalm 118. Um, we have the first two verses, and then uh, nineteen to twenty-nine. Um, yes. I mean, this is this is um, this is this is a great one in terms of uh, reminds us, and I think it's that reminding us right at the beginning that God's God's steadfast love endures forever. Um, mm. what, whatever's going on in the world, uh, um, you know, w- we know that God's love is is there. And um, when I was a very small child, I was brought up in a um, in the Mother Church of Nonconformity in Wales, and uh, remember very much singing, uh, "This is the day that the Lord has made," and we sang it to a modern tune. And all the I can remember being it being quite contentious, really. But we've got, "This is the day that the Lord has made; let us rejoice and be glad in it." So, um, for those of us that are able to 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 do that, I think we start from that point. Um, but we also accept that not everybody's able to start at that point. And, and so for me, there's this idea of um, we have to be very careful about how we uh, how we preach the good news so that we don't do so in a simplistic or, or banal way. There's something about being authentic within it. So this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. But actually accepting that for others, that is not where they come from. Mm. Um, and, and being... Um, being bringers as well as speakers of of uh, of that of that love, um, and this idea that we are not just peace talkers, we are peacemakers. Right. Um, so I think it's I think it's um I think for me there's initially there's that reassurance, mm. but understanding we're not all coming from the same place, and um, I think sometimes in faith we can expect everybody to be okay or we can expect we try and preach that you know don't worry god's got this well sometimes that's not how it feels and maybe we need to make that acknowledgement mm-hmm. yeah you're right uh, jenny because most times we are carried away by that the triumphalism and we think everything everyone is normal but as you say there are vulnerable people there are struggles and how do we really locate what does rejoicing in god for people and what does this steadfast love for for people who are struggling means and i think you have rightly said we are very good at talking peace but the challenge is how are we making peace how are we becoming the channels of seeing that peace and justice is ensured for for the localities and communities in which we live and i mean if you see in psalm 118 as uh, further from 19 to 29 verses the psalmist was saying about the opening of the gates of righteousness where the, the king come, I mean, you may enter it through with thanksgiving. And then we relate it with this Palm Sunday episode of Jesus' entry into uh, uh, Jerusalem. So how, how do you see uh, the psalmist's understanding of entry into a temple and then Jesus' triumphal entry 
and what does entry into a temple today means for us mm. and i mean i think for me i picked up this idea that you know that um that that everybody was welcome uh, the, the the temple was there for all so that even even the rejected do you know what I mean? even the rejected shall triumph so this sense of uh, of hope and possibility even in even in the tough times mm. so that, so that uh, whatever goes on in the world god is is there for us to turn to uh, god will um god will will be with us that we can turn to, to that we can turn to christ knowing that um the suffering and the struggles that we have 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 been experienced and um have been experienced and um god will be with us in that mm. and i think for me the, the these are just two perfect texts to obviously to go together because the echoes are so great aren't they you know yeah. the language that we have in psalm 118 is taken over into the luke 19 reading um and uh there was this hope for uh you know for, for this um humanity always has a hope for better doesn't it we yeah. always think there is a better time to come. And so this um, open the gates so that all may come in. That That's the will. You know, we will that all uh, in the world will have peace and that all will will have enough food and that all will have security. So it's that sense of um, that's the ideal. Mm. Um, uh, and what we have in the Old Testament text is then uh, echoed in the New Testament text whilst remembering that it wasn't a prediction but it was a prophecy. So, so this is the ideal. This is where we want it, where we want you to be. And then people started to see that in Jesus. Mm. Um, and so when Jesus came, um, they, they, they started to see that, that this Messiah, as we know, long promised, um, riding on a donkey, you know, the, the whole uh, Zechariah 9, 9, um, mm. just this, that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that. Um, I think we've got to be careful in this that we don't say that was predicted and and so oh gosh look here it is because you know what was important in these texts is that people uh, people knew and were steeped in the, the 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 language of what we now know as the old testament and so it was a, it was trying to connect the dots up to show that there was this fulfillment mm. um uh, side of things so when jesus rides in to um to jerusalem if we look at the language that we have in the Old Testament, you would have imagined more that Jesus would ride in with pomp and ceremony, wouldn't you? Um, mm. But actually what we get is Jesus riding in on an uncontrollable or an unbroken uh, in cult. Mm. And that doesn't speak of uh, maybe the Messiah as people would have expected. So mm. that, you know, it wasn't that triumphalist. It wasn't, it wasn't about power and might. And for me, it was a massive statement. You know, Jesus' Jesus' statement was, uh, you know, coming in on a donkey. Uh, when when we can remember that, and other parts of Jerusalem at the same time, there would have been parades of yeah. soldiers and horses and 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 pomp and ceremony. And I think this whole juxtaposition is is just so so powerful. Mm, yeah, I mean, you have, it's a very right chord and I can relate so much, as you say, Ginny, because one Palm Sundays we have eulogized and triumphalized, making it to be happy clappy of singing hosannas. But on the other hand, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, it was kind of a protest march against the so-called horses and empire and power 
and you can imagine the kind of courage that jesus had to take on i mean when he took on this travel so so yeah. i think our listeners will notice that palm sunday is not just a happy clappy thingy but it is about an alternate kingship an alternate yes. an alternate thing, and also a protest against the the empire of his times and therefore he chose to come on a donkey yeah and i think i think there's two things in here um, particularly in the luke reading the luke version of this that we've got today is mm. um in th- verse 37 it says the whole crowd of disciples mm. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? That it that it names the disciples and um, and and the previous uh, just a few a few verses before um, mm. the message is about the disciples w- being willing to risk all. So you're right, the protest side of things. They were very brave in doing this. They were doing mm. something that could have got them all into into trouble. I mm. think in terms of the relevance of this, I really want to point out something that. Um, that, that didn't occur to me until I went to um, until I went to Israel in the occupied Palestinian territory in um, 2019. Is this the the path that Jesus and the disciples trod can no longer be trodden? Mm. That route is no longer possible because mm. the separation barrier is in the way. You can't yeah. go from Bethany into no. Jerusalem, and so so that is incredibly powerful. That that's something that we are celebrating is actually no longer possible. Mm, I mean, profound, uh, Jenny. I, I can imagine what it means for people living in Palestine. How do they understand this Palm Sunday text? And it is quite, uh, it is a struggle for us to engage. And maybe I think our listeners and people this week who are on the pulpits will be sensitive to the context today and to see how people in Palestine are struggling with passages like this. But on the other hand, I think Jesus's coming into this world is to offer this alternative kingship, not kingship based on power, not kingship based on pomp and pleasure and all these ceremonies, but kingship uh, based on servanthood, on on caring, on justice. And I think that will be a profound message for us to take on. Absolutely. Uh, That that whole message about um, I'm not here to rule by fear or submission or or humiliation or any of those things and and actually it must have been a, you know it must have been so countercultural i'm not here to be the warrior messiah i'm mm. not here to overthrow the authorities in the way that you think i'm going to and mm. that whole not lion of god but lamb of god mm. and this this complete there must have been there must have been um some sense of uh, desolation from the people because it's like they you know somebody's coming and they're going to overthrow it and it's going to be a media and, and it's all going to change and and actually what happens is a completely different mm. much much more subversive mm. based in love um mm. powerful message and i think that's uh, that is huge and 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 the people uh, the people whilst adjusting to that it must have felt being given a voice as somebody who was who was on the edges, being given a voice as somebody who'd been sidelined by society, it was those people that probably got the got the message quicker than some of the maybe even some of the disciples. Mm, yeah, you're right. Jen. I mean, as I read again uh, Luke 19, I also found one the protest. The other was the understanding of praise in the context of protest. I mean, today we use the word praise very loosely. But imagine the multitude of the disciples on that courageous march, on that uh, a march in protest against mm. the empire. So they, when they say, blessed is the king and 
who comes, they, they really means that praise the Lord is praise not Caesar, praise not to the Caesar or to the emperor. Yeah. So uh, I was finding that to be, again, something uh, that we need to engage with. Praise is not just what we today think praise, but praise the Lord is praise not the Caesar, but praise yeah. the kingship. Yeah. Um, we saw the um, the Christian aid um, uh, um, gathering yesterday um, in support of the the, uh, the, the people in Ukraine. Mm. Um, that sense of coming together in prayer and and showing their showing their solidarity through that. And, and, and we're seeing wherever people are suffering in the world now. We are seeing protests, aren't we? We are seeing a coming together of, of those people that are concerned and and their actions and their words are really speaking out. And it's like, it, it is um, it is as, as much as perhaps those in authority don't want to see it or hear it, mm. it really is uh, a sense of people feeling so helpless that they now need to find new and creative ways to speak out. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, Jenny. I mean, I was also thinking like moving on from Palm Sunday into the Holy Week, Good Friday and Easter, so what do you think our listeners, what, what is this political aspect that you think our listeners and people who would want to engage with the text for Holy Week, Good Friday and Easter, what do you want them to hear from your perspective? Wow. Well, I think um, I think you, you've already kind of touched on, on a lot of the things for me because it's about this, um, it's about the understanding of how powerful empire was within the whole story. The whole sense of of, of inequality uh, and about how nonviolent resistance uh, mm. is as is as as powerful as uh, as as uh, as conflictual about how how um, about how understanding the context and understanding the completely radical nature mm. of the gospel. I think we've um we've done a lot of uh, domestic domestication of of, of of so many of the things that we do Easter now, you know, people, we have a lot more about the, you know, flowers and the Easter bunnies and the chocolate and stuff. Um, but we forget how radical Jesus, uh, as we recall the last week, um, has been. There's one book particularly that changed my perspective on uh, on the Easter story, um, and it's called The Last Week by John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg. Mm. And it, it contextualizes the story. It takes it. It takes it day by day, but it but it shows us this whole sense of um, how empire, the Roman Empire, and how the the structures of society then so greatly affected um, mm. affected uh, Jesus' journey and the fact that you know ultimately he he chose mm. love mm. as 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 the way forward and and that that constant reminder you know and, and it's wondrous, isn't it, how we how we um, Easter Sunday is 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 beautiful. It's it's flowers and it's cross with flowers on it and it's and it's celebration and it's chocolate and it's community and it's coming together. Mm. But there is a risk that we go from Palm Sunday where we're praising to Easter Easter Sunday where we're praising and we miss out the absolutely mm. vital parts in the middle. So I think what I would do is um, I start to think about how I'm going to preach on Easter Sunday and I wonder. Uh, about starting the Easter Sunday service with uh, a couple of readings from Good Friday, mm -hmm. just very short sentences from Good Friday and the waiting of Easter Saturday 
before even before notices or welcome or anything. So we're contextualizing this radical event and this radical uh, message of love that Jesus gives us. Yeah, I mean, really powerful, uh, Jenny. I mean, I really wish I will start with, now that you've given me this idea, just to start with Good Friday story and then the way... Yeah, because a lot of people don't do that journey because of life and family and, and understanding and stuff. And so they miss that. We have to acknowledge the Good Friday-ness of our world. And whilst mm -hmm. we are people of the resurrection, we are Easter people, mm -hmm. we still have Good Friday and the eat, the waiting of Easter Saturday in our lives. And and again, we can't sanitize our faith. We have to live in those gritty moments as much mm. as we do in the celebration. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that that is making me to further think, so what is goodness in this Good Friday you think that our people should take on? Wow. Wow, that, that that's... Um, having, having been stuck at home with COVID for, you know, for a, a while, uh, you know, I think just reaching out to each other is is one of the, the, the kindest, best things. Nothing fancy. And, you know, we often think, what have I got to give? I have mm. to tell you, a text message mm. is is as powerful as as turning up at my house with some flowers, which is were equally lovely. But this sense of this sense of uh, doing something for the other uh, that that just shows you care. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we. You think of those that sat at the foot of the cross, you know, what would have mattered? A hug, a mm. sense of solidarity, coming alongside. And mm. I think that that for me would be what we could do. And, and that can be uh, that could be posting a prayer on a on a prayer board of in, in a place that you don't know. In, you know, Tommy, so it's trying to people we know, but people we don't know. So a prayer for Ukraine, a prayer for Syria, Eritrea, those things are um are just as powerful it's not always about the uh great extravagance but this coming alongside and showing that sense of love i think for me would be the goodness yeah i mean th that is really powerful because jesus what he did on the cross was that giving his life for the sake of his god's people and the creation and if god could do so much in giving away even unto the point of death i think yeah. as followers of such a jesus how much are we called to giveaway to share and love is the way forward for us i mean the goodness of good friday for me is that that essence of love even till the point of death jesus yeah. never gave up that loving other forgiving the other and reaching out the other and i think that is a profound message for all of us to carry on and then so what again finally what again is the politics of easter you think for our listeners mm. uh <clears throat> I think, is a, I think in a very simplistic way that uh, this too shall pass. Uh, mm. You know, we struggle, struggle will end. Um, when I when um, when I was in Palestine and we met um, some Palestinian Christians, they found hope in the stories um, of Northern Ireland and in South Africa mm. because those situations ended, mm. and they were still able to find hope. Mm -hmm. uh, that one day the situation uh, that they're in will find a solution. Mm -hmm. So for me, Easter Sunday is, you know, is, is hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This, this too shall pass, mm -hmm. you know, all, all shall be well. Um, mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're in it, it's, um, you know, it's often unbearable and difficult, but um, 
but but nothing nothing stays the same forever uh and and um and again it's that call to to love Mm. go out and share you know if you have uh, some good stuff in your life go out and share it you know if, if you don't have then 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 seek seek um seek to find others who can walk alongside you and i think mm. we've got to be a, we've got to be a bit more vulnerable mm. we've got to be a bit more honest about uh, about how we how we feel how we are what what we think because when we're open and vulnerable we give permission to others uh, to do that so i think this this sense of hope mm. possibility and freedom and uh, and coming again just this massive come together uh, mm. celebrate together share together uh, sit together in the sadness mm. yeah i mean really really powerful thanks jenny because uh, on an easter sunday the call for us is to share stories of hope because easter is all about granting that hope that newness in life and trying to say we need to recharge with this with this strength of hope and love and i mean i it will be a great thing if all our churches can show share stories of hope from their own local mm. locality from within their own communities to see that resurrection is a reality not just resurrection has been a past thingy yeah. but in a way you are challenging us to make resurrection to be an ongoing thingy where we can share stories of hope and as followers how can we carry this story of hope freedom possibility where things are really difficult so thank you very much jenny for uh, your profound thoughts uh, and for your sharing for your wisdom and for all that you have shared this morning i'm sure our listeners would would take take note of what you have said and i'm sure it will stimulate them to further reflect and further think and uh, will help them as they stand on their pulpits to engage with this political theology and understanding of faith and following jesus christ so uh, thank you once again for being with us and on behalf of all our listeners i wish all the best as you now become the host from thank you episode and uh, may god's goodness and god's strength and god's justice be with you so that you can steer this forward and help us in our thinking and in our reflections as we move on and uh, also with you raj thank you so much and thank you for all you've done no thanks a lot jenny so uh, to the rest of all our listeners this week uh, as you as i've already said my last episode uh, as a host but as i've also said this has been quite a learning experience a very enriching experience because i was challenged i was provoked it helped me further stimulate and the way the joint public issues teams every week grounds me into the context local global and national and trying to see how to translate the faith in jesus christ relevant for our times so i should tell you the last 12 weeks has been quite uh, a stimulating one a provoking one challenging one and uh, quite a learning and humbling experience so uh, i thank all uh, our colleagues at the joint public issues team and to all our listeners who have coped with me in my hosting and receiving people uh, in this journey so if you have enjoyed particularly this episode of politics in the pulpit please leave us a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and share this episode with your friends and we know that our audience are passionate and knowledgeable people who are engaging with different questions as they hear this podcast so if you want to ask questions ahead of the episode please do that or if you want to further add on the conversations please do that and the best best place place for the to join in the conversations are on twitter at pulpit_politics 
or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues team's Facebook page and their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. Uh, each week, I, I ask people and leave a question with them. But this week, my question for Palm Sunday to our listeners, in what ways are we making way for the arrival of the servant king, the alternate kingship of Jesus Christ in our communities today? Allow me to repeat my question for this week for us to think and reflect. In what ways are we making way for the arrival of the servant king, the alternate kingship of Jesus Christ into our communities today? So please feel free to share in your thoughts on our Twitter or Facebook. And uh, uh, once again, I extend my heartful thanks to the Joint Public Issues team, to all our listeners, to Matt, and uh, for helping behind the screens for, for, the, for this podcast and for recording. So uh, my final thing is to say, we have the Joint Public Issues Team's 2022 conference, and I'm looking forward to meeting some of you and most of you at that conference in June uh, in London. So the tickets are available. Please do book if you haven't done, and we will all look forward to meeting in person at that point, hoping things will all be good. So let us go into our politics and into our pulpits with a prayer at this point. So let us pray. May the alternative king and the servant king, Jesus Christ, journey with us so that we join with Jesus in casting out the demons of our times, in sharing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, and may we continue to journey so that we engage with the goodness of the Good Friday and share st stories of hope because resurrection is a reality and Jesus is alive, walking with us, weeping with us, journeying with us and strengthening with us. May the goodness and mercy of the triune God journey with all of us so that we become faithful followers of Jesus Christ relevant for our times today. Amen.